Chapter 27, A History of California, the Spanish Period. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 27, The Aftermath. It turned out that the events of July 17 and 18, 1781, settled the question of the development of Alta California under Spain, leaving the province to its own feeble efforts. The story may first be told how Spain came to accept this verdict. Thereafter, it will be possible to go back to the narrative of local events. The principal impulse for the Spanish advance had sprung from a fear of foreign encroachments. Indeed, the prospect of danger in the far northwest had been greater than the fact, but that had been enough to stir Galvez and Bucareli to action. Henceforth, the actual peril was to be greater than ever before, yet Spain's efforts were in the inverse ratio, growing correspondingly less. It has already been pointed out that a fresh voyage to the north was made by Artiega and Bodega in 1779, after which orders were received to discontinue these voyages in the future. Events soon caused the Spaniards once more to take cognizance of the northwest coast. When Captain James Cook picked up a cargo of furs there in 1778, a new force came to the fore to affect the situation. Henceforth, there was an economic reason for foreign visits. An English captain named Hanna was the first to follow up this phase of Cook's discoveries. Coming from China, he reached North America in 1785 and recrossed the Pacific with a shipload of furs. In the next three years, a host of Englishmen followed Hanna's lead. Mears, Tipping, Lowry, Guise, Strange, Portlock, Dixon, Barclay, Duncan, Colnett, and Douglas. These were the leaders in these voyages. Some of them came more than once. It was in 1788, too, that John Kendrick and Robert Gray, two American commanders, came to the Pacific Northwest after a voyage of nearly a year from Boston by way of Cape Horn. Theirs was the first of a long series of voyages which were to make the Boston ships, as the American vessels were called, famous in the annals of Alta California and the Pacific coast. In 1786, a famous French voyage of exploration under the command of the Comte de la Peru passed down the coast to Alta California. La Peru informed the Spanish authorities that the Russians had several establishments in the far northwest. It was this report that stirred the Spaniards to renewed activity. With advantages superior to those of any other power, especially because of her nearby base of supplies, Spain, almost alone of the European and American peoples with interests in the Pacific, did not participate in the fur trade. The intendant of the Philippines, Serrico González Carvajal, having heard of Hanna's voyage, recommended that the Spaniards should engage in the traffic, but the powerful Philippine company threw cold water on Gonzales's scheme and killed it. The reports of La Peru were too definite to be disregarded, however. So, in 1788, the Princesa and San Carlos, under Esteban José Martínez and Gonzalo López de Haro, were sent to the north. This time the Russians were found. Martinez and Lopez de Haro reported that they seemed bent on pushing as far south as Nootka Sound, off the west coast of what is now called Vancouver Island. 
Information was also received that the English had pretensions to that port. Consequently, Martinez was sent out again in 1789. He found some English vessels at Nootka and seized them and their officers and crews. When the news reached England, public opinion was so inflamed that the British government threatened war. Spain at first stood her ground and appealed to France under the terms of the family compact. The Great Revolution was already in full swing in France, and the government was in the hands of the National Assembly. This body acknowledged its obligations under the family compact, but imposed conditions to joining with Spain against England that the Spanish authorities felt themselves unable to accept. As Spain could not hope to defeat England without French help, there was nothing to do but yield, as she had done twenty years before, to the English demands. A treaty was signed in 1790 by which Spain agreed to the right to the English to trade and even make settlements north of the Spanish establishments in Alta California. English ships were also given permission to enter Spanish ports along the coast, though not to engage in commerce. This treaty was supplemented by later conventions of the next few years, the virtual effect of which was to leave the region north of San Francisco Bay open to whichever country should settle it first. The year 1790, when Spain suffered defeat in the Nootka Sound controversy, may be taken as one of the great dates in the history of Spanish colonization. It marks the beginning of what may be termed the defensive-defensive, a defensive of a self-conscious waiting kind, the inevitable outcome of which was defeat and disintegration. The new state of mind was well represented in a famous memorial of the Conde de Revilla Gael, viceroy of New Spain from 1789 to 1794, and son of the former viceroy of the same name. Revilla Gael prepared a voluminous report on the history of the Department of San Blas and the Californias, including the far northwest, since 1769. The keynote of the document was the vast expense involved in the northern conquests. He praised Bucareli for what he had accomplished, noting especially that he had been able to achieve a great deal despite lack of sufficient funds. Nevertheless, Ravilla Gagel believed that henceforth all costly enterprises of conquest should be looked on at least with skepticism and probably with disapproval. Quote, from now on there ought to be an end of such projects as compel us to incur heavy expenses, even if they may be recommended with the most positive assurances of advantageous results, for it is always understood that these results are to be in the future, whereas the expenditures have to come out in cash from a treasury that is full of urgent matters requiring attention and that is constantly covering itself with considerable debts. Once its funds and those of the money lenders are exhausted, the project cannot be sustained. Their advantages will disappear, the return of the sums expended will be difficult, and perhaps it may be necessary to add still greater outlays with the almost self-evident risk of their being yet more fruitless. In the course of 25 years, many millions of dollars have been consumed in founding and maintaining the new establishments of Alta California, in repeated explorations of its northern coasts, in works at the Department of San Blas, and in the occupation of the port of Nootka. But if we engage in yet other, more distant, and venturesome enterprises, 
there will be no funds left with which to sustain those that we have already taken upon ourselves. Thus did the viceroy announce himself as in favor of retaining what Spain already had, but as opposed to following the policy in the future which had in former years brought about the occupation of Alta California with a complacency that would have been strange indeed twenty years before he remarked that the russians had settlements reaching southward almost to nootka but spain had too few troops and ships of war and too scant funds to dislodge them he did show some anxiety over the english being especially afraid lest they try to gain a foothold near the spanish colonies with the object of engaging in an illicit trade it might be well, he thought, to occupy Bodega Bay, a little north of San Francisco, and possibly the mouth of the Columbia. He was opposed, however, to extending the Spanish dominion to the northern coasts, and favored ceding Nootka to the English. The Spanish occupation of such distant localities could only lead to foreign complications, and would most certainly cause heavy expense. Clearly, the Spanish Empire was on the defensive. Indeed, it did not even go so far as Revilla Gigedo had recommended. A weak attempt was made to occupy Bodega Bay. It failed, and the project was permanently postponed. Nothing else of any consequence as against the English and Russian peril seemed even to have been tried. The spirit of the Spanish Empire had changed, but there were a number of contributing factors affecting the development of Alta California besides that of the dominant importance given to the need for economy though they were of about the same order when not even less powerful as in the days of the spanish advance the indians of sonora continued to be troublesome especially the saris the apaches however soon ceased to be the perennial thorn in the flesh they had always been between seventeen eighty six and seventeen ninety seven peace was made with different groups of Apaches. The Spanish government promised to give them various articles that they could not make themselves, even powder and guns, though of inferior quality. Secretly, also, the authorities planned to ply them with liquor so as to demoralize them and to encourage them to make war on one another, hoping that in this way they might become exterminated at an annual cost of from eighteen thousand to thirty thousand pesos the peace was maintained nearly to the end of the spanish rule another factor tending to check the use of the land route from sonora on which any appreciable growth of alta california necessarily depended was that of the rapid changes in jurisdiction of the various governments of the frontier the commandancy general did not remain as a single unit for the entire frontier. At times, there were two commandancies, and once there were three. Occasionally, too, the viceroy's power was restored. After 1793, the Californias remained under the viceroy and Sonora under some one or the other of the commandancies until the downfall of the Spanish government in America. This may help to account for the opposition of later commandant generals to the reopening of the Anza route. It meant the making of an effort for the sake of regions beyond their frontiers and a divided authority over any route that might be opened. It must also have tended to make local concerns seem of more account to them than the possibility of foreign danger. 
thus was alta california compelled to depend upon the inadequate services of the department of san blas supplemented by illicit trade with foreigners in one respect the anza route had already done its work the province had reached a substantial footing as regards the number and kinds of domestic animals it had agriculture too though of little variety developed sufficiently to supply the scant needs of the settlers the principal lacks were in manufactured articles which had to be procured elsewhere and most of all in population a few straggling colonists crossed over to baja california from sinaloa in later years and came north to alta california but the great majority of the inhabitants were descendants of those who had come between seventeen sixty nine and seventeen eighty one prolific as they were in raising families the spanish californians could not by this means build up a population large enough to expand into the interior where the gold awaited them indeed with the exception of branceforte santa cruz not a single civil or military establishment was founded after felipe de neve left the province the total number of whites mestizos and mulatos in seventeen ninety was about nine hundred and seventy and in eighteen hundred about twelve hundred since most of the men were soldiers the population was economically unproductive the government quota for the army called for two hundred and five men indian labor mostly at the missions furnished the larger part of what the province supplied in seventeen ninety three the christian population of the two californias was estimated at twelve thousand six hundred and sixty six if the development of alta california had been greatly desired sonora was more and more capable of supplying the sinews of advancement despite its frequently recurring internal difficulties and the expense of the presidial posts the province was able to yield a profit to the government even at a time when the salary of the commandant-general was charged against sonora alone instead of being apportioned over the entire frontier furthermore it grew steadily in number of inhabitants in seventeen eighty one sinaloa and sonora combined had a christian population of eighty seven thousand six hundred and forty four in seventeen ninety three of ninety three thousand three hundred and ninety six and in eighteen o three of one hundred and twenty one thousand four hundred the greater number was to be found in sonora for example in seventeen eighty one sonora had fifty two thousand two hundred and twenty eight or about sixty per cent several proposals were made to reopen the anza route for a time they were frowned upon and in seventeen eighty six the viceroy went so far as to prohibit such a measure possibly because of the improvement in relations with the apaches there was a revival of interest soon afterward in seventeen eighty seven pedro fagas who had again become governor of alta california in seventeen eighty two after neve's departure suggested a comprehensive plan for the betterment of conditions in alta california his proposals were three in number that four new missions should be erected that carpenters smiths masons and other artisans be sent to alta california to instruct the indians and that a presidio be established at santa olaya on the west bank of the colorado below the gila junction with connecting posts at sonoita in northwest sonora and in the valley of the san felipe in baja california but along the anza route 
the first two proposals were viewed favorably and in the course of a few years were acted upon the third met with varying response but the consensus of opinion was against it a view in which revilla Gigedo concurred when at length the matter came before him for decision the question of the land route was raised again in seventeen ninety two and in seventeen ninety six diego borica and jose joaquin de arriaga respectively the governors of alta and baja california made suggestions independently of one another with that object in view it is not necessary to follow the correspondence in detail but it may be well to cite the memorial of the year eighteen o one in which pedro de nava then commandant general set forth his opinions the advantages of reopening the colorado route according to him were two the possibility of giving aid to the californians in case of a foreign invasion and the benefits of reciprocal trade between the californias and new mexico as for the first the route was known to exist and could at any time be utilized if a considerable force were sent along but there was no need to keep it open unless a foreign attack should actually occur as for the second neither of the two provinces was far enough advanced to require any new outlets for trade the opinions of nava prevailed when the question came up in eighteen o four the matter of the route was decided in the negative it is to be noted that the plans for developing alta california by means of the route had received scant attention virtually none from nava then why use the route any longer as nava had said it was there in case of need other proposals were made during the remainder of spanish rule and indeed in the mexican period but nothing came of them fear of foreign aggressions in the californias certainly continued with ever-increasing justification but the day of action had passed the closing decades of spanish rule in alta california and the quarter century of mexican rule form one of those periods which is the delight of the poet and romancer life was less stirring than in other days but on the whole was more agreeable for twelve years of teeming activity from seventeen sixty nine to seventeen eighty one the province had played a great part in history for the next sixty five years the alta californians were to witness but one positive factor of supreme historical importance the coming of the people who were to supplant them the influx of the americans who were to find the gold and make california what it is today much went on in preliminary fashion with a bearing on the ultimate american conquest before the province was finally taken over but that story belongs rather to the history of american california than to an account of the dying days of spain and the troubled era of mexican control all else that remains of alta california history in this period is the local narrative much of it picturesque indeed but a great deal of it only petty and yet though they could not have dreamed it the alta californians were fulfilling the role which bucareli had cast for them a role of deep significance and fraught with moment few as they were imperfect as were their standards of civilized life they were on the ground and that in itself was enough to keep alta california safe from foreign occupation with its mineral wealth undiscovered they compelled the englishman and the russian to make the center of their settlements farther north within the immediate range of the profitable fur trade 
instead of locating in Alta California as each of them wished to do. In this way, the Alta Californians virtually saved the intervening coast of Oregon and Washington. They were the sine qua non of the American occupation. Americans may rejoice that they were there, and that people of other nationalities may feel glad or sorry, according as their sympathies direct them. But in the light of events as they occurred, who can say that the Alta Californians did not play an important part in the history of North America? In justice, not anybody. End of chapter 27